You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Attractive communities don't happen by accident for the most part. And when I say attractive, the type of community where there's this synergy of what's the best way to retain and or attract talent. And everybody's trying to do that. We live in a very competitive world and talent is required for us to continue to grow and experience new wonderful things. And not every community does it as well as some others. That's just the way life is. One of the things you have to have, there's kind of a list here. You have to have a dependable, affordable, sustainable source of water. Because without water, you, you got nothing going on. You have to have access to quality, affordable health care. That, that's required no matter wh- where you are. You have to have opportunity in the marketplace. And that requires leadership and risk takers and people that have vision. Maybe most importantly, you have to have access to quality education. One could say that without education, we're going to all struggle in that area. And where Deb and I happen to live in North Dakota, all of that is available in abundance, particularly in the Red River Valley, and especially in Fargo-Moorhead. There's just something about that place, Fargo and Moorhead. And today I'm so excited to have someone that's playing a very significant role in that education piece. And he's new to this area. And I got had that pleasure of meeting him earlier uh, uh, last year. Dr. Werner Wilson Ron is the Dean of the College of Human Sciences and Education at North Dakota State University. And he's came to us via Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. Ron, good morning. Welcome to Mike's Seminary and Friends. It's great to see you. How are you? I'm great, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, We had the opportunity to meet when you were fairly new to North Dakota in your role, and you were traveling the state with the president and happened to meet you on the top of a bank building in downtown Bismarck. And that's kind of how our relationship has continue to grow. And I'm looking forward to lots of opportunities to have engagement, especially this one. And I'm so glad you and Tracy are here because I think you're just really neat people and uh, you're doing great things. How are you enjoying Fargo, North Dakota after coming from Kentucky? Well, you know, Mike, we love it. Uh, We live downtown. We decided to rent an apartment because I I didn't want to deal with snow removal my first (laughs) winter in, in Fargo. Plus, the the housing market was just, it was on fire and we couldn't get anything. But we love being downtown. Um, all of all of the amenities, uh, uh, you know, so much entertainment, so much good foods, uh, so, so many uh, fun things happening down there. You know, the Red River Market's closed down for the for the winter, but we we went there every Saturday. We just love it. We, we love Fargo. We love the people. Um, it's, it's a great community. Now, bef- before I go into your background and your decision to come to Fargo and then specifically NDSU and the college. You mentioned downtown. Fargo's kind of got it all going on, don't they? When it, when it comes to a vibrant, walkable, 
downtown space where there's so much, there's so many options. You almost never have to leave it, right? Uh, that's exactly right. You know, I love the fact that it's about five minutes from my office, seven minutes if I'm on a bike. Um, the There was a winter parade a few weeks ago. Um, and so we just walked the block and a half to go and 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 watch this this really cool parade with all of these fun people sitting next to um, uh, this 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 uh, single mother and her five kids. They felt sorry for our dog, so they gave us they they put a blanket down that they had for our dog to lay on. Um, so she'd be. But I mean, just that's that's the kind of people that are in Fargo Moorhead, right? They're just lovely. You know, they're worried about my dog. Um, and and want to make sure that she's okay at this parade. Um, you, you've got Broadway Square. There's always good music in the summer. Right now, you can go down there and ice skate. Um, great coffee shops. You, you, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a, a great coffee shop downtown. Um, <laughs> it's just a it's a it's a terrific place. I've never heard that. You can't swing a dead cat. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you like cats? I do actually. I had one in my car with me yesterday for seventeen hours. Uh, I love cats, but that's I, I get one of those southern colloquialisms, I suppose. I have to remember that <laughs> seventeen hours. That's right. You drove back from Kentucky to get back to NDSU. The uh, school is back in session, and all those wonderful things. Well, you, uh, oh, but before I forget, you mentioned music. You have a son that's a pretty gifted musician, and you may have other kids that are as well, but we've talked specifically about your son that plays guitar. Met um, music scene in Fargo is pretty healthy, isn't it? It's pretty darn great. I'm I'm down at uh, Side Street uh, every Monday night listening to free jazz. Um, there, at, again, during Red River Market in summers, there was always somebody playing it at the, the square, the Broadway square. Um down at the Sons of Norway, uh, we joined you and Deb to 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 watch and have some fun. We've been there several times on Thursday nights. Uh, we, you know, it just there's a lot of great music around here. You know, a variety of genres we love, and we love everything. We like bluegrass, we like country, we like jazz, uh, we like classic rock, um, and and there's just anything you could you could you could want down here, including. World premieres for movies. We happen to take yeah, in Sanctified right. uh, at the Fargo Theater, which is a Daniel Belinsky production. And that was just so much fun. It was just absolutely hoot. Absolutely. It was a great movie, you know, and, and who knew Fargo would have a world premiere of a of a movie, but it was terrific. Uh, it was it was fun to hear him talk about what it was like making the movie and what inspired it. Um, and then to see all of this gorgeous North gorgeous North Dakota country. Uh, you know, as a backdrop for the movie was just very cool. Made Trace and I want to get out and explore, you know, get out of downtown and actually go see other parts of the state. Perfect. Well, by the way, I've said it before, welcome to North Dakota. Welcome to Fargo. It's great to have you here. You're, you are part of, you know, an incredible institution, North Dakota State University, Land Grant University. They have somewhat of a football program there too, I guess. <laughs> um, and of course, you, you being a Georgia fan, you know a little something about football. So you must be having a lot of fun this year. It is an awful lot of fun. I've 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 told folks I'm a bison dog. So I'll be in Frisco <laughs> Sunday to to watch the bison play. Um, you know, I, I was at the South Dakota game when they 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 pulled it out there. And I reluctantly shook the hands of some South Dakota folks who were sitting next to us. And I said, congratulations. 
And the fellow said, I'd rather have a ring than a rock. Um, so I, I, I hope we deprive him of that ring one more time. Yeah, they're looking for that. And everybody's always looking for their first. Some teams are looking for their 10th, you know, so go figure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Why North Dakota? What you're tucked away in that beautiful Kentucky area, and it is gorgeous. If people haven't been there, there's parts of Kentucky that are just absolutely God's country. I guess God's country too, because God's country one is here. <laughs> but well, of course, he leaves here about six months of the year to help somebody <laughs> so, else. We're working on our own, right? <laughs> that's when he heads down to Lexington. <laughs> what What interested you about this opportunity in North Dakota? Well, well, Mike, it, it ticked all the boxes for me. I, I was, uh, I had been recruited for uh, deanships for a, a long time, and I, we made the commitment that we were going to stay in Lexington until our youngest graduated high school. So we toughed it out in that beautiful area for 15 years. Um, so, I, but I, I was pretty choosy because we liked where we lived, and we we kept our house that's down there because we love the house. Um, so I was pretty choosy, and this one ticked all of the boxes. It's land grant. I've spent all but two years of my career working in a land grant, and I believe in the land grant mission fundamentally. You know, we were created to educate ordinary people. I think that's you know instead of elites on the East Coast. So um, we were we were created as a land grant to solve problems. That remains critical. Um, and I think you know whether it's human development and family sciences or health and nutrition or any of the other programs in my college, we contribute to the educating where there's a real teacher shortage across the country, but especially in North Dakota. So I, I have the privilege of serving as a dean of a school of education uh, who are making, and, and those folks are making meaningful contributions to help us tackle that problem. Um, it is a, it, it is, so, so one box was land grant to the R1, and, and uh, President Cook himself has said that he was impressed to find out that uh, NDSU was R1. I was as well. Spent all almost all of my career at an R1, uh, the same length of time as a land grant. So uh, the only university I've worked at that wasn't R1 and land grant was for the first two years. So that was important. This particular college has uh, the, tra the traditional home ec history. Um, plus the School of Education. And I've been in those configurations, and I think it makes an awful lot of sense that for educators to understand human development and for human development and family sciences and all these other folks to understand that education is a lifelong experience. Um, you know, so, so that was exciting to me. Um, North Dakota is a little bit like coming home, uh, believe it or not. Uh, uh, I've traveled quite a bit, but I was actually born in Bismarck. Um, when my dad was in the Air Force, he was stationed at Minot Air Force Base. My mom's a farm girl from Elmont. Um, and so there was this sort of, you know, full circle, circle of life kind of thing to come back home to where I was born. And, 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 and I loved North Dakota when I was a boy. Living in Georgia and, 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 and praying for a white Christmas and always being disappointed because you're used to these, you know, and, and I know we get tired of, of of dealing with snow in the winter, but I just absolutely love snow, Mike. Um, and and uh, so to be back up here, it's coming home. Uh, it, it's connecting with good people. So when I interviewed, so uh, I, I, the provost was great. All of the faculty were really nice, um, met good people uh, and really wanted to be here. Uh, so it, it ticked all of the the sort of official, ac you know, 
boxes in terms of what you want in a job. Uh, but then the people were just great and coming home was, was kind of cool. Yeah. By the way, I, I love winter. I love snow. In fact, I posted a p- picture just before we started on Facebook when as a runner, every once in a while, I see something, I'd stop right in my tracks. And it wasn't the warmest morning this morning. I think it was one below wind chill, something like that. It wasn't, that wasn't, it's not really cold. And of course, one below is not really warm either. (laughs) So I couldn't wait to get my phone out to take a picture of what I was seeing. And the problem is you never know if the phone is going to capture exactly how you're seeing it. This morning it did. And it, it was as I posted, it took my breath away. It's just one of those things about how snow and winter time and you 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 get to experience some of the most glorious things you'll ever see. So I don't I don't really get tired of snow or any of that. Did I hear this correctly? <laughs> Your dad was one of those guys that came to North Dakota, found one of the really pretty girls, fell in love with her. And then he took her away. Is, it, is, is that what he kind of did? Almost. She had already left. Okay. <laughs> they met in Kansas City. Okay. Um, she had uh, she had went down there to join her her brother and his wife. She got a job working in a factory in Kansas City. Um, uh, her her brother was in the Air Force. They invited her uh, to to go to the club, and she met my dad. Um, but he loved North Dakota. Um, and so he had actually two tours at Minot. Um, uh, he, he loved it up here. It was my mom who wasn't so thrilled with the winters here. So <laughs> in, in fact, when my dad retired, he had convinced the Air Force to convert his job to a civilian one because he wanted to stay. He loved it. He was a Tennessee boy, but he loved it up here. And my mom said, no, we're going south. We're going either to Florida or Georgia. I've got a brother in Florida. You've got a brother in Georgia. Pick one. So they they ended up in Georgia. So back to what you were just uh, covering. It, it checked all the boxes for you and you and Tracy. And you, you found your way back up here. Was it, was it like March or April of 2022? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing would be quality of life because so after they offered me the job, Tracy and I did come back twice um, to see if what was here for her. And it just, you know, the more I learned about Fargo Moorhead uh, and the more time we spent up here, it just sort of confirmed that this is it's just an amazing place. So you just said something that I'd, I'd like to follow up on. I hear people say quality of life. So now I'm curious as professionals both you and tracy when you you were visiting the fargo area and then north dakota in general in your mind what were the quality of life boxes that were checked that you said this this could be the place for us because it's different for everyone so i'm just curious for the two of you well so when when we when we came we had one of your i'd never heard of a snow squall so we, as, as we came off the plane, both of our phones buzzed with the weather advisory. It said there was a snow squall uh, and we walked out of the airport and, and Tracy was literally blown back. But, you know, despite that, we were we were staying at the Radisson Blue downtown. Uh, quality of life for us was we were able to 
to walk around downtown and it wasn't just us. It was cold. You had a snow, you know, horrible, but people are out there ice skating at Broadway Square and people are, other people are walking around to restaurants and getting a cup of coffee. Um, Tracy has a, a friend in, in Bismarck uh, that she went to school with. She and her husband are out here. So her friend came over in, in this, this snowstorm, in this blizzard to see Tracy um, and so sort of quality of life in that people aren't intimidated by weather. Um, and philosophically, we've, we've always believed that. When we lived in Iowa um, uh, the, the, and our kids were going to the public school there, the philosophy was, you know, they, they go outside and play. Um, and at home, you know, instead of sitting around watching TV, go outside and play. Yeah, I know it's cold. Put on a coat, put on your snow pants, put on your snow boots, go outside. And so quality of life in that, it you know, it wasn't a weird thing for folks to be out and about um, uh, doing things. Uh, uh, the amenities. So you talked about in terms of, you know, uh, the, the kinds of list of things you need. Uh, as we did our research, the, you know, accessible, uh, affordable health care. Um, you've got great health care in town, um, uh, uh, access to quality education. So knowing that it's not just NDSU, you've also got MSUM, you've got Concordia. I love the idea of this tri-college tri, uh, tri that Tim Flackle uh, runs. Uh, you know, I just think it's a, it's a terrific idea for the three schools to combine resources and permit students to take classes on all of these campuses. Um, I think that's healthy. To, to share and collaborate. Um, and so th I think that's pretty cool. Um, uh, quality of life, you know, good, good health care, um, including mental health. So my wife is a marriage and family therapist. Um, and she uh, met a good six, seven different people uh, in the area to, to not only look for her own professional opportunities, but to assess, you know, how do people think about mental health up here? Is there a stigma associated it with it? You know, because sometimes some places, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps um, as opposed to going and talking to a stranger about your problems. But she was reassured that that people take mental health seriously up here. Um, and that there was a good professional cohort of, of other therapists in the area. Uh, and she's working in a great practice now with with uh, somebody she met when we were up here. Um, so, uh, you know, people were out and about um, the, the walkable downtown that, you know, that people, you know, took seriously, uh, you know, the, the walking uh, to things. Um, a lot of amenities. Uh, we, we got introduced to the music scene a, a little bit when we were here, uh, had some great food. So quality, those are the kinds of things that mattered to us. Uh, the, the cost of living was reasonable. It was comparable to what we had down in, in Lexington, uh, maybe a little bit better here. Um, so all of those kinds of things, when I, I think of quality of life, those jump out to me. Before I ask you specifically about uh, the college itself in terms of human sciences and education, when you first when you the first time you were on the campus and for the sake of this conversation this is when you were looking at the job that you currently have the current opportunity what struck you about and i'm going to say that's probably was is in was in february or march somewhere in there when you when you came what struck you about the campus that immediately said 
I feel good about this place. Well, it's beauty. Uh, and again, you know, and if I didn't like snow, I might not have thought that because it was uh, uh, the weekend of Valentine's Day. I was going home. You know, I asked them to move up my interview because Tracy and I had reserved a cabin in the mountains. Um, they wanted me to, to actually interview on Valentine's Day. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. We've got a cabin rented and I'm doing that. Uh, so they 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 were flexible about that. Um, but it was just beautiful. You know, Old Main is a beautiful building. And and when they drove me in and and to see the, the the statue there for North Dakota State University with the bison and the snow on top of the bison and around it, it was just picturesque. Um, the whole campus, as I was walking around, uh, you know, from from Old Main to the to the Memorial Union and and uh, Lebedeff Hall and these other places, it was just beautiful. It's it's striking um, the, the beauty of the campus, and I could only imagine what it was like when 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 springtime came, when flowers were popping out. But even even with snow everywhere, it just looked beautiful. It was it was a lovely lovely landscape. Mm. So here you are. You're you're in your first year as the dean of the College of Human Sciences and Education, which has 16 undergraduate programs, 19 teaching specialties, 11 minors. How many students are involved? Because that's pretty broad. How, how many students are involved in, in this particular college? I should know that, and I don't. It's probably a big number. It's. I'm thinking. I, I think our. I know what our credit hours are. We 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 uh, we are in, uh, we generate about twenty seven thousand student credit hours a year. Oh my! Um, and that's that's what we tend to pay a little bit more attention to because that's how we're rewarded uh, from the legislature in terms of uh, our um, uh, tuition. Uh, so oh, I didn't know that. So it's tuition hours they look at, not headcount. Uh, it's it is headcount, but also student credit hours. And our new budget model that we're trans transitioning to is really going to favor student credit hours. And 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 that was a model I came from and knew a little bit about uh, as we're changing our our budgeting process here. Um, so so that's that's what I pay more attention to than, sure. than actual enrollment. Um, yeah, but but we've got we've got some great programs. Uh, you may have heard we're going to reorganize. Um. Uh, and so our college is probably going to look different. Um, there are a number of options out there, including taking all or part of my college and merging it with health professions. Um, uh, some external uh, consultants came in three, four, five years ago and made that recommendation. Uh, a university committee also looked at that. Um, it seems to make some sense. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, uh, as a marriage and family therapist myself, I take a biopsychosocial perspective, uh, uh, and and I've, I've worked with family physicians who recognize that you know seventy five percent of adherence to medical advice is is psychological or interpersonal. So mm -hmm. Give me an example. My father had open heart surgery, and the doctor said you need to stop smoking and you need to change your diet. Well, my mother. She was the one who did all of, you know, traditional family. She did all of the cooking for the most part. And she was also a smoker. So it meant that if he was going to be successful at, at adhering to his physician's advice, she was going to have to give up smoking because she couldn't sit right next to him and, you know, and smoke a cigarette and, and him not. 
And, you know, if, if they were going to change, he was going to change his diet and eat less fatty food. She was going to have to change the food she prepared and, and, and what she, um, what she wanted to eat. And so there's that, that relationship component to him needing to change the way he lived. Um, and so when you've got nursing and public health and pharmacy, I think there's some, some real advantages to, uh, helping make, helping those folks understand uh, developmentally, the different needs of children, young adults, adolescents, older couples, gerontology. In fact, they've and, and there's a, there's some opportunities for synergy. The public health department teaches courses on gerontology, but so does a, a department in my college, uh, human development and family sciences. So, um, as we've looked for synergies and efficiencies, do you really need two sets of people teaching gerontology courses? Can you combine that and be a little more efficient in that? And, and would that help us save money as a university? Um, and, and so I, I think those, those sets of units, you know, understanding um, nutrition, human nutrition, and kinesiology, having that part of a college that includes nursing and pharmacy and allied sciences, radiology, um, public health, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I, I think that's probably uh, where we'll end up. Nothing's mm -hmm. definite yet, but to me, that makes an awful lot of sense. You were mentioning choices that your parents would make based on what the doctor had said. It's interesting, I had Dr. Eric Thompson on recently, who's a board-certified family medicine uh, physician, but he's also being come, becoming certified in integrative health and lifestyle medicine, cool. which is all about what you just talked about, um, making decisions hopefully soon enough where we can alter the effects of the behavior that we're adding to to the baggage that we have right when it comes to health which is so important because the costs of health continue to go up and also almost exponentially the older that you get those decisions have long-term impact and the earlier we can make those lifestyle modifications the better off uh, we all are talking about the credit hours and the headcount is something I'm kind of curious about. It, education is, is as competitive an industry as anything out there. Yeah, yeah. I watch enough business news. I have it on all the time because I'm watching the markets because I'm a fool. Because um, <laughs> I go up, up one day, down the next up. And when you get to be a retired guy, you're kind of paying attention to that, right? But anyway. The number of ads I see for higher ed options for folks is kind of stunning. Given that and how technology is changing almost daily, the delivery system for you and the students that are going to receive it, how have you seen headcount management uh, and the, the credit hours impacted by things like uh, on-air option, I, I mean, online options. How, how is that impacting the delivery system for you and students? Well, it's 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 a real fundamental shift. Um, there, and, and and it's it's the you're right. Your your observations about competition are right. When I drove through the cities yesterday, 
you know, there are billboards for UND, for NDSU, um, uh, St. Cloud State, um, you know, all of the, you know, the University of Minnesota, of course, you know, all the way through town, there, there are billboards, com- you know, uh, competing for those same students. The majority of our students at NDSU are actually from Minnesota. Um, wow. And we were used to be very competitive. Um, and, and we were seen as the university that was a bargain. Well, as the number of uh, students has declined because of birth rates, d- declines in birth rate, uh, Minnesota has become much more aggressive at keeping trying to keep their students there. Uh, so it is a business. It is. Uh, and, and you have to pay attention to that. And I, I think online is, is is one of the things uh, that you have to do. And President Cook has has made that a priority to look for opportunities uh, to do more online delivery, so that it's you're not just competing for folks in your region, but you know nationally and internationally, you're 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 trying to recruit students and 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 educate them. Uh, and 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 we've learned. You know, the, one of the upsides to a pandemic is you've learned that you can do more online than you thought you could. Um, that we, we used to hold ourselves back because, well, you can't teach a, a chemistry lab or you can't. You know, my daughter graduated with a degree in engineering. You can't teach engineering online. Well, she was she was a student during the pandemic. She got her degree um, uh, in engineering uh, from a year and a half of, of online programming. So I think we've learned that. Well, in fact, you you can do some of that, and we've we're having to reevaluate um, uh, that. There are some initiatives that President Cook is interested in funding. Uh, you know, while we're simultaneously responding to budget reversions, I think it's it's his good leadership saying, "Well, we can't just always be cutting. We need to figure out where we can grow." And online is one of those areas where we need to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to to recruit students and 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 offer our programming and and can we use the resources we have to do both, you know? Can we teach a, a course that's both online and face to face for folks who want that experience? I think there's always going to be a place for residential education, but we need to also make space for online. The other thing that I think we're going to have to do, Mike, is be more student focused, and. Um, and I think that's good for the educational experience for students. I think it's also good for for everybody on campus. But there was a time when you know we just threw students into a three hundred se- uh, lecture hall and said, you know, sink or swim. And that's not really land grant. You know, if we're really if our if our charge really is to educate uh, ordinary people. Just to tell them to sink or swim, we're not really working very hard to educate them. Um, we're we're just it's survival of the fittest. It's it's Hunger Games. It's not education. And so I think because there are fewer students, we're having to pay more attention to what does good instruction look like. Um, how do I um, teach to different learning styles? How do I just notice my students and make them feel like humans instead of a number in a in a classroom. Um, and I, I think that's I'm gonna. I, I forgot to follow one of your directions. My email is still up. 
And so it keeps beeping at me and distracting me. Sorry. <laughs> um, but we've, we've, we've got to be, and I think every university, and there's gonna, we've already started to see um, colleges have to close because they, they just can't, you know, we, we have too many colleges, we have too many universities. And so um, either we adapt and adjust to this changing market, including online education and, 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 and treating our students as humans instead of as numbers. Um, or we just, we, we go out of business. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be hysterical or, or create fear, but I think that's the reality of where we are. We, a good business and education at some, you know, it's, it's, people want to say it's different, but you've got to be able to, to, to generate revenue, to pay the salaries for, for the faculty staff that are here. You, you got to pay attention to those things. When you said too many colleges and universities, you're talking across the United States, not just North Dakota. I mean, we've had this discussion about North Dakota for some time that there's quite a few. The challenge, of course, is, and I agree with you, by the way, the challenge is that's economic development for that local community. And um, how do we handle that? should the decision be made that we no longer can afford that particular institution in that particular community, that's a, a pretty big deal. And I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. They're they're coming, I get it, and they're going to be very difficult and hard decisions, but, but you're right. Especially, I mean, we were talking about this before all the online tools were available that make it pretty easy for some one irrespective of where they live they don't even have to be in north dakota to take online education at ndsu they could be they could be anywhere so that that's that's by the way i'm not one of those people i'm one of those people i need i needed and if i decide at this age to pursue more education i need to be in a classroom with a person that's giving me some direction because i'm just one of those kind of guys that's me and me too. I, I, uh, so I think there's always going to be residential, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, learning. Um, I think what we have to do is think about partnerships. And and what you know, you asked me about this college and what was was appealing to me. They have partnerships already. You know, and I, I mentioned Tri College. That's actually university wide. But um, in my college, the Human Development and Family Sciences uh, Department has a, a partnership with Valley City uh, State University, where um, there's a joint program in elementary education. So the students uh, get a dual degree. They get a degree from Valley City in elementary ed, and they get a degree from us in Human Development and Family Science. Um, because to understand, you know, kids at that age, you need to understand how that, if you're going to teach that age, you need to understand developmentally what's going on for them physically, emotionally, socially. And so it's a great partnership. Valley City benefits, we benefit. I think if if they didn't have our partnership, they'd be really challenged to keep their face-to-face -face program going over there. So I think those kinds of partnerships help. We've got a program with Minot State in social work, an undergraduate social work program, same kind of deal. Um, so I think one of the ways that we can contribute to economic development and not um, 
it, you know, because if you close the university, it's going to be like closing a factory in a town, and then, and then it just decimates it. But how can we work together instead of competing with each other? Mm. You know, what can we do um, uh, with with programs across the country? I'm, I'm going to spend this next semester. My goal is to go out to all of the community colleges uh, in the state, including those on tri- uh, on tribal uh, in tribal nations the tribal colleges and learn more about them and try to figure out ways we can help each other. Uh, we can help them be successful where they are. And then when their students, you know, for the, their students who want to, to move on to make sure that they have a successful transition and do well here. Um, so I think partnerships is part of that answer. Um, uh, it, as a way so that you don't devastate a community by, by, taking out uh, an economic engine. But with the online, particularly, one of the things we're looking at here uh, is because of the teacher shortage. I don't know if you know this, but at least half of the teachers in North Dakota are operating on emergency teaching licenses right now, Um, meaning that they they don't have the appropriate credentials to really be certified as a teacher. So, But we need teachers because of this teacher shortage. one of the things, and and those people are already in a community. They can't afford to leave that community and and spend two, three, four years at NDSU. Um, they've got they've got families. They've got a life. That community needs them to teach. So what we need to do, and what we're working on here, is how do we help those teachers on emergency licenses become licensed? Um, since they can't come to, to Fargo, how do we help them get what they need, you know, in terms of classroom management and, and, and uh, you know, pedagogical sorts of things and, and, and content? Many times they have the content maybe, but they don't know about teaching. So I think it's our responsibility and it's still and it's part of that land grant mission to help the, you know, meet critical needs in the state. Um, those folks in remote, remote parts of North Dakota need teachers. Rather than expect them to come to Fargo, how can Fargo come to them to help them be teachers and become certified and 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 help those students out there? Ron, I'd like to go back to part of what you just covered with regards to the partnership with Valley City. My father and mother's alma mater, by the way. That's where cool. they met. And you were talking about uh, a dual. I don't know if you said major or not, but you have elementary and then human development. I may, might not be saying that correctly. In today's environment, and it's very competitive, even though there's great shortages in terms of education, uh, talent that we need, is is the day of, I'm going to graduate with a, a degree in elementary not enough anymore where you have to have something else to probably support your elementary uh, degree. Is that kind of where we're, and I say that by the way. Yeah. Philosophically it is for us. And it's the way we market the program um, that you're, you're getting both sets of skills. Um, I don't know that it's, uh, I don't know that elementary education as a field is automatically going to adopt that, but I think it's a way that we try to make ourselves distinctive. Um, and, you know, instead of, 
Valley City hiring a bunch of faculty and we hire a bunch of faculty and they teach to eight students and we teach to eight students or maybe they teach to 15 or 16 and we teach to 15 or 16. If we can hire and, and, and some, some faculty so there are fewer people on each campus teaching more students, it's, it's a good use of state resources um, because we're able to, to help more folks. Um, and, 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 and it would be hard to fill both of those positions on both campuses. And so, it, you know, uh, our provost now likes to talk about efficiencies. That, that seems to be a really good efficiency that both, both communities, students who are already kind of in that area and they want to go to Valley City, they get to stay in Valley City. They don't have to come to Fargo. They can stay, you know. So I, I spent eight years getting my bachelor's degree. Um, uh, li- living with my parents, working part-time, going to school part-time. So, you know, if there are folks in that that kind of similar situation back in Valley City where they have need to work some, go to school some, live with their parents, they don't have to make that same kind of significant investment in time and resources to move to Fargo. So we get to help them. We get, you know, what, what, what were the things you talked about in your list earlier? We get to have an educated populace. Um, but it doesn't have to be under the the traditional model of you leave everything for four years, you go live in an apartment or in a dorm, and and you 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 put your life on hold for four years. That we need to, as an educational enterprise, um, meet the needs of folks who who just can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at the majors that are available through your your, your college and. You know, I'm old enough to probably remember them as something else. You know, apparel, retail, merchandising, and design, nutrition, science, which probably back when I was a student was called food and nutrition, maybe. Right. I I think Uh, elementary education, exercise science. Here's one that if I was a student today, because of my nature, I'd be kind of drawn to it hospitality and event management. I'm, I'm going to assume that part of that, at least, used to be called hotel motel management or something like that. Is, yep. Okay. That's exactly right. So so I'm curious, the combination of hospitality and event, is that a natural because there are enough venues where if you're managing a hotel, there are enough of them that have a significant part of their business dedicated to hosting events. Is that, does that make sense what I just said? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, I think those are, those are the roots. Uh, when we do the reorganization, Mike, one of the things that may happen is as we evaluate programs. So that was the history. It came out of hotel uh, tours and management from when you and I were students. Um, but given it's business focused, does it really make sense if there's going to be a realigned set of colleges, given its business focus, um, what we're t- having to ask ourselves now is, and I, I'm, I'm not looking to lose it because I think it's a good program, but would it be better for them and their students because they already take a lot of business courses? Would it be better for them to be in a college of business? And I, this is where I have to, as a dean, not be too territorial. I need to say what's best for the student. And what's best for the faculty that are teaching these these courses? Um, and, 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 you know, much as I'd hate to lose it, but yeah, we we have we have really evolved a lot. We went from baking and sewing 
uh, to baking became food food sciences and human nutrition, to now you know uh, human nutrition, um, exercise science on some campuses. It's it's a it's a kinesiology department. I think as we reorganize, um, they may spend some time looking at should should that cover it because it's not just that it sounds like it's only for athletes, but it's really about the human body and physical movement. And kinesiology is kind of a broader term that would capture that. Um, so it's an exciting time. There's 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 change coming to campus, um, uh, and I will miss some of the programs that will probably not be in my college. But I think it's a mistake to hold on to it just because it's always been there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we we have to be willing to adapt and and. And and let some things go if if they're going to thrive and be better off uh, in in other places. Uh, but yeah, that's that's exactly the history of that. So the realignment that you addressed a couple of times during our conversation. Were you aware of that when you were interviewing and ultimately accepted the position? Did you know that was coming? I didn't. I did know that there was would be a transition to a new budget model because every campus has done that. And um, Margaret Fitzgerald, the provost at the time, told me that they were probably going to make a change. Mm-hmm. That she expected that as they hired a new president, um, the new president would want to uh, um, bring in a different budget model. Um, and it's one that I've, I've, I've done on other campuses. So Iowa State made that transition 17, 18 years ago when I was there. UK did it about 12 years ago, not long after I started. So um, I was prepared for that, and it didn't scare me because I've been through it before. And I actually think it's good for the university because it makes you more accountable. Instead of replacing a faculty member just because they've always taught a particular course and you need to continue teaching that course, I think it helps us look and say, but do we really need to continue to do that? And if we do, great. But if we don't, maybe we could, you know, we could we could be more uh, nimble, more flexible, more adaptive. Um, but so I wasn't. I wasn't. But I wasn't surprised when very early on um, we started looking at, at at reorganization as a cost cutting mechanism. We've got seven colleges. Do we really need seven colleges? Our, our enrollment has declined steadily for five years. Uh, could we save some money? Uh, by reducing the number of deans. Everybody complains about the number of administrators on campus. You know, could we save $400,000, $600,000 by combining colleges and having one dean instead of two deans of smaller colleges? Um, and so it was a, a reasonable question. Could we save some money and still be able to to meet the needs of our students? And um, and I think that we we came to the conclusion that's that that would work fairly well, and if that means you know six hundred thousand dollars, that means you're saving the job of twelve, fourteen people. Um, then I'm all for it. Mm. How how long will this process take? We we submitted uh, we meaning the dean submitted some proposals for options to the president um, back in November. Uh, he shared those options out because we didn't want to have just one plan. We wanted options for people to think about them. And and one of the options included the external consultants option. We've gotten a lot of feedback about that. And now the deans are trying to, based on all of that feedback, we want to submit to the president 
what we think is 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 a, a maybe the best of those options incorporating the feedback the anticipate the expect expectation is that we will then share that with the community end of january um, with the hope to implement this by as early as july 1 our new fiscal year mm. so it 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 could happen a little fast um but uh so yeah so that's the timeline and there will be some as part of this exercise too we're also looking at programs that have really low enrollment and because that same external consultant that recommended combining colleges targeted some some programs and said hey you've got really low enrollment here should you really keep doing this well it seems first of all very exciting and well-planned approach to change and change if, if you're if you're not kind of leading it change isn't fun for anybody right but it's also in my opinion a, for lack of better terminology, a good strategy and exercise that could also help the next legislative session in terms of as, as they look at higher education, funding models, delivery systems, and here's this significant land-grant institution that's gone through a long process to make very important change to address quality education delivery for the students, irrespective of where they live, how to fund that and how to make it more efficient. That seems like a win-win-win, maybe a third win, win-win-win-win. I, 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 think, I think you're right, Mike. Um, and, and oftentimes folks are reluctant to change. Um, you know, we, the universities, they boomed and, and all kinds of universities and schools were created um, when when our, our birth rates were increasing. Now that they've been steadily declining, we're facing a cliff in about five or six years where it's really going to be uh, uh, ugly in terms of the number of traditional age students. Um, we're going to have to figure out how to adapt. Mm. And uh, you know, I, I I wasn't trained as a businessman, but it doesn't take you don't have to have an MBA to realize that you've you've got to adapt. We started as 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 um, uh, a school that trained you know it was agriculture and technology, and we also had classes in baking and sewing. Um, and we've evolved, and we will have to continue to evolve to meet the needs of the state and the students, or you know they're going to put a marker. Uh, and say this is this was once North Dakota State University. Mm -hmm. um, we've got to change, um, and change is uncomfortable. It is, but it's good. It, it, it's also good. It's exciting to yeah. me. Um, so I'm not running from the door. I'm not looking for jobs because well, this isn't the job I applied for. I wanted you know. No, I think it's exciting. I think what's happening here. I think President Cook um, is doing it exactly right. Um, he's getting feedback. He's evaluated where we are. He's asking us to to evaluate where we are. Uh, so it, it's not top down. It's it's bottom up driven. Uh, um, where can we be? What what do we need to be? We've went from enrollment of seventeen thousand students to enrollment of twelve thousand students. What should we look like as a university? Mm -hmm. I, I by the way, I've I've noticed this about. 
President Koch is doing a great job for a man of his experience. You don't have to say anything about this. He has way too much hair, Ron. I just want you to know that. You know, from my perspective, that uh, he's got to work on that. So you've been you've been in Kalamazoo, Fort Collins, Ames, Lexington, and maybe I've missed one. And Lexington was the largest MSA metropolitan area. Ames probably the smallest. And all of them uniquely different. And, and here, here you are, you and Tracy are now in in Fargo. When you look at the places that you've been, why is Fargo better? I, I think the downtown is 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 the best of any of them. Now, Fort Collins was pretty nice. Um, and I don't know what it is now because it's been over 20 years since we lived there, 25, 26 years since we lived there. You know, the, but for us, Colorado was great because of uh, we lived near the foothills. We could, you know, a lot of hiking and uh, the 300 days of sunshine thing. Um, we don't have 300 days of sunshine, but we get good sunshine here. The downtown is great. The people are great. Um, uh, have you read the book, um, How Fargo of You? I have not. Uh, it's a uh, uh, Mike. I forget his name. It was it was given to me by an alum. Actually, she sent it to me after I met with her in a group. Uh, they came back for homecoming, um, and it's just about. Uh, and it it really does capture not just Fargo, but sort of Midwestern nice, you know, and 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 how nice we are here. Um, and and that's you, you, you can't put a price on that. I, I think um, you know the, the, again those people they put this blanket down for my dog because they didn't want her to get cold. Um, I've never been any place where somebody would worry about my dog and put a blanket down. Um, the people, uh, I think the community is great. Um, I do like you know the downtown area for being down there is is great. Um, so what, what you know how is it better? All of those things are better. The music scene here is better than it was. Definitely than Ames. Kentucky had good bluegrass. It didn't have near the, you had to go to Louisville or, or Lexington anyway. Louisville has good jazz, which is where my son is studying. We have good, we have really good jazz here. Oh, yeah. um, uh, so I think the music scene for the size uh, is, is really, really good. Um, I think the I like the size of this university, Mike. Um, and I know it's created some economic concerns going from 17 to 12, but I like 12,000. I like that number uh, in terms of it doesn't feel crowded and cramped. Um, uh, I, I know my students better, I think. I know my fa I, you know, the number of faculty we have. I know them better than I could have if we were, you know, uh, a college of 17,000. We had to have all of these part-time instructors to meet their needs. Um, and the fact that a lot of, you know, we don't use a lot of PTIs uh, in our college. Um, so, so even though that's not Fargo, it is part of my experience here is I like the size of our campus. I like the size of, of, of where we are. Uh, I love our leadership. Um, and as I said, I was pretty choosy. That was the one part where I was a little nervous since they hadn't hired a president yet when I was offered the job. Um, and, and so there was a, it was good that there was a delay between me accepting and them announcing and so that I could do some research on President Cook and say, yeah, I'd like to work for this guy, mm. despite the head of hair. <laughs> 
Kalamazoo. You were in Kalamazoo. Were you familiar with the Kalamazoo promise? Boy, that rings a bell, but take me back 30 years. That is, well, maybe it didn't exist back then. I'm not sure. Kalamazoo promise. Long story short, private citizens made a decision that if you're in the school system in Kalamazoo and you want higher education in the state of Michigan, we'll pay for it. I don't know all the strings attached. I don't know if you have to, once you graduate, do you have an obligatory length of time you have to stay in the state. But it's private citizens that put that together. And Deb and I were visiting there. Our daughter was there for a skating competition. That's why we were in Kalamazoo. And we started hearing about this Kalamazoo promise. And, and I kept saying to myself, that's a brilliant idea. That, that speaks volumes about how the private sector when individuals say you know what I, I'm I'm not going to just talk about this anymore here's what I'm going to do to make this possible for students you can't learn you know it's it's fairly now it's been a while since I've looked but you can't find out a lot about the folks involved all I know is it exists and well, it did when we were there seven years ago. And I've always thought that was like one of the coolest things I've ever heard of, where private citizens decide you graduate from here and you want to go to school in this state, we'll pay for it. Love it. Love that idea. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, and it, it speaks to something you talked about in your intro about the importance of having talent is required to grow. And you you. you Everybody doesn't need to have a college degree. So I want to be careful that I'm not suggesting that, you know, because there are certainly occupations, trade occupations and other very good skilled labor. But you still need, you know, even with skilled labor, you need some apprenticeship or you need some training to do it right. Um, but that Kalamazoo promise, I didn't have kids at the time, so that may be why it wasn't on my radar. But I, it seems like I've, and maybe it's from you, I've heard you talk about that. As a country, one of the things that worries me a little bit is that we have we have made a shift in thinking about higher education as something for the com common good to something that is an individual's responsibility, forgetting that that talent pool that you talked about. And, and, and you need to have talented people if you're going to grow and be, be successful as a country. We... We like to complain or be worried about the fact that we're falling behind um, some countries in terms of economic development and and patents and and other sorts of innovative sorts of things. But in those countries, they value education. Uh, there's a suspicion sometimes now uh, of of education. It's seen as something that corrupts by some people. It's, it's either per perceived as something that is an individual's responsibility to improve their own life, and so therefore they should invest in it. Uh, the state shouldn't be, be giving them a, a handout. Uh, or there's a suspicion that the university corrupts people, 
that you know you send you send kids to impressionable kids to college and 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 they're corrupted um and i i think both of those have have are problematic um uh it is it is a common good if we want to continue to be a leading nation we need to have um uh we need to have People who are educated know how to 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 make those innovations, how to do those sorts of things, um, and and if we want to compete internationally, I think we need to continue to to value education and 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 sort of land grant. I, I, that's why I still love land grant mission. Um, I, I'm here because our job is to educate common people, not e- elites whose families can afford to to send them to hundred thousand dollar a year campuses. Um, we need, we, you know, we need to, to, to figure out how to make college affordable. Um, so I, 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 I work really, really hard to try to raise money so that we can give more students, more scholarships to help them come here. Um, so that it's, it's, it's not a, a burden on, on their family they, and they don't graduate with a lot of student loan debt. Uh, we need to, we need to get that in hand. Uh, definitely. Um, I, I think it's, it, we're, we're not helping students. And sometimes they're going to these elite colleges and they're, they're graduating with a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. And that's not, that's not good for them. Um, but we need to figure out how to help them, uh, graduate with less, less debt so that they can be contributing members. Ryan, I opened this up by talking about the, qualities and really assets that need to be in place in a community to make it possible that creates an environment where attracting and or retaining talent is easier. I don't mean to imply, by the way, that retaining, we don't, we don't want our young people to go somewhere else. We actually, the opposite is true. We want them to go somewhere else hopefully come back because we've done a nice enough job here where they say I could go back there and they bring with them new experiences that they thought were important enough that they would share them when they come back because that's that's how you create this uh environment where there's opportunity for everyone and we're embracing um those attributes and qualities that we like somewhere else that might work here. So, and so to that end, I'm really glad you and Tracy are here because you're helping in a, in a large way uh, to shape and mold that uh, environment reshaping that's required to retrain, uh, uh, retain and attract talent. And, we should have you back on in about a year to say, how did we do? Uh, how I'd did, love it. I, how, I'd love it, Mike. And in the meantime, we'll find ways to get together, whether it's uh, High Day at Sons of Norway or Jazz somewhere or, or a Bison football game or basketball game or whatever. We, Sounds we great. We can do that too. You bet. Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Mike Seminary and Friends. Appreciate you a lot. You've got, uh, you got a lot of wonderful work in front of you it's exciting change is going to be a challenge but it'll be fun because it's all about the art of the long view and how to continue to make improvements for the student experience which helps 
the community experience because they're engaged and loving it. That's, that's what that's all about. I agree. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks so much, Ron. You have a great day. Appreciate you. You too.